Hello, welcome to Utopia Be a Terrier for the final time. It looks like Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, very good, very good, mate. It's um, quite sad in some respects, but quite exciting in others. Yeah, if you listen to last week's show or you've seen us on Twitter, you'll know that although this podcast is ending, this podcast is is <laughs> not ending, if we can put it that way. So we will no longer be on. Uh, Utopia Terrier will no longer be on this podcast feed because it looks like as of, well I say it looks like I've, it's as of this week I will not be uh, an employee of Reach PLC anymore, I will not be writing for the examiner so Sunderland will be my final game for the examiner um, and then on Friday we will launch our new venture which we've settled on a, a name for Dave for various reasons we can't continue to call it Utopia Terrier uh, and we were going to call the project The Terrier, and then I woke up literally the morning after we recorded the podcast last week at about 5am and went, I think the club call their programme The Terrier, and got up and checked, and they do. Um, so, we've racked our brains, we've tried to come up with a good name for this project, Dave, and we've not been able to do it, <laughs> so instead we're going to call it We Are Terriers. Or what, as the kids are calling it. <laughs> exactly. So it will be weareterriers.substack.com. I've literally just changed the URL for that. So if you want to subscribe, and by the way, we've been blown away by how many people have expressed interest yeah. in subscribing to our service. We'll detail in a moment what you get for that. But first, I want to say um, we are sort of blown away by how many people have expressed interest. We'll see how many of you actually uh, <laughs> um, put your payment down on Friday when we launch. But for £5 a month, you will be getting continued access to Dave and I doing a podcast on Huddersfield Town and we're not expecting anything really in terms of the format or content to change um, and you'll also get two quality pieces a week written pieces from me extremely readable format delivered to your inbox or readable in the browser at weareterriers.substack.com um, so that will be throughout December it will mostly be five conclusions the conclusions will be included as one of those sort of two quality pieces a week um, and the first lot will be the Sunderland conclusions which will be with you on Friday um, we'll also have a podcast for you weekly as long as the season is on um, if if you know we get to the summer months we'll we'll see but certainly for the time being that will be what you're getting so head over there to sign up if you've not already to express your interest and then you'll be the first to hear when we launch on friday and get the email nagging you to um to subscribe properly with the five pound a month level which we think is is good value dave yeah absolutely i mean it, it we want to keep going with the podcast and what i want to assure people is if you are a fan of this podcast then the new podcast you are completely shielded and protected by our laziness there will be no change to the format <laughs> there will be very little change to the schedule it'll be exactly the same and uh, you know i'm saying that in jest but we are we know the podcast is the thing we always get lots of really nice comments about and it's one of the things we wanted to carry on Steve wants to carry on doing some writing covering Huddersfield Town, but to be frank, there is no there is no need to do this sort of, I'm not going to say filler pieces or anything like that, but the smaller pieces and the smaller stories. We will, I think it's also worth saying, if something major happens, 
we're not just going to go, oh, well, we'll talk about it when we do next week. We will be yeah. reacting to it. And yeah. you will also get the occasional written piece off me um, doing some sort of analysis or looking at something or heaven knows, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, for £5 a month, we kind of thought we didn't want to price it ridiculously high or anything like that. We we just think £5 a month is more than enough the reason that we've come to that figure is it's not arbitrary. It's basically a figure that means we can sort of keep going because we now have to pay for everything equipment-wise and everything else. Yeah, we, travel to the games. Yeah. Or, you know, I've had to buy a new laptop, etc. Yeah. yeah, we are. you need to understand that £5 a month does not buy me and Steve a rolls apiece and a shiny <laughs> gold mansion. Absolutely far from it. But we were kind of trying to find a level where it felt like good value and we'd get enough people who hopefully will will sign on but we're kind of it, it's sad because we love doing this podcast and we feel like we've built it up to a certain point and it really does punch above its weight in a lot of respects and that's why we just didn't want to let it die and you know steve wants to continue writing about huddersfield town we both mm-hmm. want to continue covering huddersfield town so yeah sign up please yes exactly and i want to be clear that what you're going to get is sort of that two quality pieces a week and the podcast i'm not necessarily going to be sitting here and in fact i don't intend to sit here throughout the january window reacting in the in the moment to every single transfer rumor that comes out because for one i think it's kind of unnecessary the rumors are already will already be out there wherever they're published two i i'm not you know with the best will in the world and we're blown away by how many people are signing up but i think it would take a a, a staggering sign up rate for it to be a full-time wage for me um and i cannot At five pound a sit, month yes definitely yeah exactly <laughs> so i cannot sit there nine to five five days a week as i do currently looking for anything that comes out on huddersfield town but you will keep getting all the all the reaction all the analysis you know if there is some a legitimate transfer link we will do the scouting pieces and what you can expect from that signing we will obviously have our say on what is what is happening in transfer wise um and off the pitch and with the stadium and all of these things um and you will you are not going to get sort of that level of of coverage and analysis anywhere else i think it's fair to say even if there is you know still some um there is obviously still a print obligation on the examiner end i i don't think that there is going to be that level of of in-depth analysis of of all the games shall we say not necessarily going to be people at the games for the examiner from now on no no and i mean rather than sort of talk about that that's that's for other people to make their mind up just sort of kind of be rest assured that we're coming from the right place with this it's not a cynical if it was a cynical venture let me tell you it'd be a lot more than a fiver (laughs) but um we are it is genuinely coming from a place of we do enjoy doing this like to back that up as steve will testify i have never earned a penny from doing this podcast in all the time i've done it i don't get paid for it i just do it no i buy i buy you a case of miller genuine draft twice a year twice a year yeah (laughs) that's what i get for it yeah and uh, to be honest with you my own pocket to be honest with you that that's a fine payment but uh, you know (laughs) it it is just literally a case of it's it's something we actually like doing (laughs) so yeah we want to carry on doing it but we just can't do it without a bit of backing at this point so yeah exactly but yeah we're excited now we're excited we've got the sad bit out of the way and we're now we're now <laughs> excited we'll also do play ratings i'll do play ratings for each game those will go out for free because i want that to be a promotional thing i want people to be aware that we're there so don't be offended or upset 
and think that you know that's something that's something everyone will get um just to help get more eyes on because the more people that sign up to this the, the more likely it is to to stay as a, a going concern yeah I, I want to say thank you as well to to everyone who supported likes of Football Three Six Five who have, have helped promote uh, and Sarah Winterburn who I owe a lot to. I also want to thank Ali Maxwell from Not the Top Twenty who's been a massive, massive help and has given a lot of good advice about how best to run a sub stack. Above all else, Huddersfield Town have been excellent with me, uh, and I'm not sure how much they'll they'll, uh, they'll appreciate me saying that, but I really have to say Town have been like so incredibly supportive um, throughout this whole thing. Um, so I do want to put my my thanks on record to them um as well as a club um yeah. and now we are gonna slate them for for 45 minutes dave no not, not really because actually um saturday's game i think you and i came away feeling pretty good about it um huddersfield town mm. won southampton won and to me i think darren moore and his site uh, i'm not saying answered the criticisms in a well that's that's or every criticism gone gone away now everything is fine forever from here on in but i think a lot of the things that people complained about about Hull, we actually started to see addressed in this game. Yeah, I think like one of the things we kind of wanted to see is that if it was, if we're not going to see something new, you know, something sort of innovative or or quite all that out there, it would be nice to just see a response. And I think there was a big response in this game, and I think there's a there's quite a lot to talk about, but. Southampton are they're, they're a decent scalp and a win would have been incredible to get a draw at home you know I saw one or two people saying yeah but it is only a point at home but you have to understand the golf in I mean I I said to you before kickoff when we got the team sheets I was looking at the Southampton team sheet and you know they had Russ Stewart uh Jay Adams um they had Carlos Alcaraz uh, Alcaraz a uh, couple of others that I'm sorry, but they do walk into town's first team without a shadow of a doubt. You know, I like Shea Charles, the young midfielder. It was a huge ask. It was a huge, huge ask, and to sort of come out of it and almost slightly worn up their way to victory because this <laughs> is how you know this is how we saw them do it a couple of times mm-hmm. last season. To be honest, um, would have been incredible to get the draw is enough. And that's what we kind of needed from this game was just enough. And we got that. Yeah, I think there's this... I sort of alluded to this in the conclusions. And then I listened to the interviews that Radio Leeds did and I'm sort of doubling down on it. I think there's a bit of a perception. Uh, and I assume, by the way, Oggy is responding to the text that he's had from the from the fans, etc. But there seems to be a perception that the first half was rubbish and they just tried to part the bus. And then second half, they actually came out and had a go. And I don't think that's true at all. You and I went in at half-time, Dave, and we were saying, actually, that was all right. The goals are sitting there, awful time to concede. But that you can see that they're trying to do something different. They're trying to play on the counter. I know they only had one shot in the first half, but they had multiple opportunities where, you know, there's one over the top for Josh Caroma, um, where he got one-on-one with the keeper but couldn't quite get it away. There was Headley going to round the keeper but then getting caught offside. There were multiple opportunities that, that Town had in that first half that didn't result in shots, but where they were pushing up the field, they were creating openings. We had Jonathan Hogg pressing as a, a second number nine. We had Matty Pearson coming into midfield to cover for him. You had the wing backs getting forward as often as they could. And I know that there were some moments like Yutanaki Yama getting up the left-hand side and then the ball ends up 
uh, back Turning, with with, back, yeah, with yeah. Chris Maxwell and the fans up in arms. And again, contextually, you can sort of understand the frustration having just seen the performance that they got against Hull and to a lesser extent against Watford, where it really was sort of devoid of all ambition beyond playing for a nil-nil. But I didn't think this was that. I thought they were trying to have a go first half. But you and I, the comment we both made at half time was you can see they're having a go, but they've got nothing in the final third. Mm. So for that goal to come eventually as it did was like, yes, this is the only way this side is going to score at the moment, which is there's positives and negatives to that, I think. Yeah, the conversation I had with you at half time and with Mel Booth actually was that it was just a bit depressing because they'd played pretty well. And it was just going one nil down. It was like, how do they go and bloody their nose now? How how because it's it, it is that lack of personnel. You know, there was the, the yeah. it, It's not just the fact that they're losing players to injury and the the squad has gone incredibly thin, but it's the lack of confidence as well. You know, there's that one where the ball over to Josh Caroma over the top, and he just never at any point kind of looked in charge of the situation in the way like a really confident Josh Caroma would be. Mm. I thought he, I thought he did grow in confidence as the game went on but yeah, first I, half he I, but quite there, I thought he? they all did. I thought yeah, they all agreed. did because I thought the difference was they all started to believe a bit. And I just it, I thought it was important on a few different levels but I think the nature of the first half performance was it, I I wouldn't try and sell it as great or anything like no. that but I thought it were fine you know like I completely kind of get it you know you can say what you want about the Watford game and where how good or bad you think Watford are and you can say what you think about the the Hull game but Southampton are like a really high passing possession side yeah the highest in the league of, with lots of ways to hurt you and 20 million quid's worth of striker on the bench you, you kind of that I, I can't think of another way you could have realistically played that first half and then I almost think that the the sort of the goal didn't change things it almost felt to mm. me a little bit like the plan was in the second half to try and go for it a bit more mm-hmm. and you know they did and they got they got their rewards and there was a couple of I thought really good individual performances in there as well yeah, it's exactly what Darren Moore said. He said, weirdly, that, that goal just before our time didn't change his team talk or his approach no. whatsoever. I mean, you could see second half, the the back back line was, was pushed sort of 10, 15 yards higher. Um, and, you know, we sort of made the comment, I don't think I've ever seen a team have 20-something percent possession but dominate the game as much as Town did because it, it didn't feel like they had 20% possession because they had all the chances, really, apart from one, one save that Chris Maxwell's had to make. Um they've you know all the chances have gone town's way they should have been level before they actually got level um i mm. think that the you pointed out to me i thought the helic miss was not a great one but you pointed out it's a more difficult header than it first looks but the silver thomas one he should put away yeah. for sure the 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 helic one he's sort of he's he's got to get the power into it from coming slightly behind it and it's very it's okay if you don't get your body right as you jump then you you've no chance basically but the Sorba Thomas one, he can see that all the way onto mm. his head. All the way onto his head. And it's it's not... Do you know what? It's not the fact that he hasn't scored. It's the fact that he hasn't hit the target. Yeah, exactly. Where you're like, oh, Sorba, you know? But he, it was kind of indicative of his game because, again, I yeah. thought he had a game where, in moments, he was the best player on the pitch, which, against Southampton, is, is high praise. 
And there were other moments where he looked a little bit like a fish out of water. And I kind of think with Sauber at the moment, that's where we are. And you kind of have to put up with one because you know you're going to get the other as well. So you think, okay, it's a sacrifice that we're (laughs) kind of willing to make. But it's just... Yeah, that that header. I must. I must admit. I thought that header was the moment. Yeah. I thought, okay, that that was the moment they've not taken it. But we can still kind of reward them for having a go this half, and they've been much better. And I'm just thankful they did get the goal that they. I mean, it, categorically, I I don't care about possession stats or, or, nope. or passes in this instance. They categorically deserved that equaliser. And I mean, my God, how long has it been since we've been able to say that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the first time they've come from behind um, to get a point since uh, Coventry, I think. So, mm. <laughs> you know, that's that's how long it is. Um, and I think this probably had was quite like the, the Coventry game in some ways, but against a much mm. better side at the moment than Coventry, who, who let's be honest, have been poor this season. Um so, mind you, they've got a big. They look like they're turning the corner now, but yeah, it, it. I thought there was a lot of encouragement. As you say, they they totally deserved it. Um, I think I want to ask you actually, while we're on Sorba Thomas, I'm generally not a fan of him playing on the left, but I could see the logic of it. Particularly after talking to someone earlier, I could see the logic of it in this game where Southampton were playing such a high line because him yeah. playing on the left. He started on the right, but then after uh, Keen Harrett went off, he got switched over to the left. And putting him there meant that actually with Southampton playing such a high line, he gave Town what they haven't had for all season, basically, which is mm. someone to play that out ball over the top. So they could get it to him and he could, rather than going on the outside and going up the wing, he would come inside and play a ball over the top. And not all of them came off. There's one in particular where I think Town would have had a, a two-on-one um, or a Two on Turkey count the keeper if he'd got the ball right to Headley and he completely overhits it. But there were others where he did get it right and it really put Town on the front foot. Um, and it was as a result of him sort of coming into that central position that he was able to apply that pass. Yeah, I think the thing is that we saw it was the Birmingham game, wasn't it, last season where he was used in that central role and you realised how good he is at just just spreading a defence, basically, mm. and just pushing a defence. I think he's more flexible than we give him credit for. Yeah. I think the thing about Sorba is, and I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again, that the problem that Town have is when he's in form, he immediately gets doubled up on. And teams can do that because they don't feel like Town are going to hurt them in other areas, so they can just move someone across to double up. So he's always taking two men on. If he's having a good game, he's always got you know double the shift of somebody else in terms of trying to get round their man. I think switching him and sort of getting him to ask different questions of different players, I think, is a good thing. And it's horses for courses, isn't it? I'm like you. Mm. I think it was the I think it was the right thing to do in the circumstances. I mean, Harrett Harrett going off like. we'll talk about the obvious thing we need to talk about there I thought it was quite a weird way he did his hammy he was sort of going for a ball that he was he was never in a million years going to get and sort of coming round the wrong side of the defender it was an odd it was an odd choice that ended badly but then I thought tactically from there they kind of switched they went into a more flat 5-4-1 and there was a lot more of a gap between the lines as well for, for obvious reasons but I kind of think it was the only thing they could do in that yeah. circumstance. And Sorba's like probably the person who really makes it work. 
you know, on or off the ball, he becomes the the key person in that formation, really. Yeah, I think it was. Bearing in mind, Bergsorg, as, as Darren Moore explained, had, had trained forty five minutes on Friday before the game, and that was it. Mm. So he was coming back from injury; he wasn't capable of doing much. And I, and to be honest. I, <laughs> I, I thought it was patently obvious what that switch was. And I even, I normally, if the crowd does a, a particularly big response, I will note it in the live blog that we do. And I didn't on this occasion because I thought, it, I actually thought, oh, is that coming from the Southampton fans? Has the referee done something that I've missed? Um, because I couldn't believe that it was the town, <laughs> the town fans responding to, um, to, to the substitution. Because it was obvious what the switch was. It was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to play Yuta Nakayama up front and he wasn't going to play without a striker. It was obvious that he was going to put Kroma up front, Headley on the wing and Nakayama at left wing back. And mm. So for it to get that response just felt to me like people who were waiting for the first opportunity to have a go at Darren Moore rather than people that were making a genuine criticism based on what they'd seen, to mm. be honest. I think I th- the thing is that that response was not a response just to that decision. We completely get that. It's a response no, to the Leeds game. It's response, to be frank, it's a response to a couple of years of underinvestment. It's a response to lots and lots of things. But, like, <laughs> Bergsall couldn't have played that amount of minutes. Diara, you can't. He gives the ball away too much to put him on at that moment in that game and, and basically have over an hour yeah. where you're kind of trusting him to suddenly become somebody who can hang on to the ball. And he's Bear less of a centre fo- and he's less of a centre yeah. forward than Josh Caroma is. Yeah, and you know, he Southampton like to hog the ball, it's what they do. So you don't you, you need a point where it sticks really as much as possible and let's be honest that wasn't happening for Harrit either Harrit was really struggling in yeah. that game he just the ball was bouncing off him he couldn't get a foothold in it so it's like well what's the alter get Tom Edwards on up front <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I'm saying it flippantly but I mean I'm I'm kind of like you yeah, I just I don't think there was any other choice I mean it, we, they had a bench of seven which is one more than the last home game because the injuries are still the list is still as bad they lost Danny Ward you know at the last minute who we think probably would have started mm. it, 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 they were once again in the situation of kind of putting together a bench of what they had left rather than what they wanted on there and unfortunately when that's your position the changes are kind of you know forced upon you rather than things you can do to sort of try and change the game really so yeah I, I don't as I said I'm not going to turn around and like massively have a go at the fans, but I am yeah. going to say like I also don't know what v- sort of value it had because it doesn't really help the lad coming on, doesn't help the lad going off, doesn't help the team as a whole, and it's so early in the game. It's like well, you you need to see kind of how it pans out. But what I would say is it was far from every town fan, and I've had a lot yes. of reports from people in other stands who said. You know, there were little groups that replied immediately with positive chants and what have you. Yeah. There was, I know, there were quite a few town fans who were quite unimpressed with it themselves. So. It sounded like it came from one end, and it was a, a you know, a percentage of that end rather than on mass yeah. all four sides of the ground, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. and I, I think I'm, I'm, as I said in the conclusions, I'm getting up on my high horse about it now and about that specific booing. But I, I think it is reflective of. The poor start that Darren Moore has made, obviously, you know, it's one win mm. in 10, which is not a, a, a particularly defensible record, even with, 
you know, all the mitigating factors he's he's got in his favour. And and I agree, I think it more than anything it's a response to Hull because I think people yeah. just saw centre forward going off, defender coming on and thinking, Oh, he's gonna try and, you know, mm. part the bus now. But I didn't think the evidence of the game up to that point suggested that that was going to be his approach, and and it wasn't his approach. I mean, Headley has played on the wing plenty of times. It's not like that was a surprise that Jaheim Headley moved to the wing. Uh, I think Neil Warnock played him there more often than not, actually. Um, so, yeah, but I do understand more generally that sense of of the lack of trust in Darren Moore, and I think that is something that, unfortunately, he and the club are going to have to to stick out for yeah. a while longer even if even if they were to come out and and beat Sunderland I think probably the next home game if a similar decision gets made there will be similar grumbling uh, and there will be for a little while until they've actually found themselves in a decent run of form um, it's just one of those things really isn't it yeah agreed agreed I like I say people pay their money they're mm-hmm. free to do what they want and they don't have to listen to us at all but <laughs> I just I think the one thing I'd say about Darren Moore and I don't want to get into like a sort of Warnock v Moore thing or anything mm. like that but but I kind of look at Darren Moore and I look at what he's done and I kind of think there are moments where I would have done things differently mm-hmm. I, I genuinely I wouldn't have played that whole game all the way through like he did I can completely understand doing that for 60 minutes but there is a point where I think you can change it as we saw on Saturday and you can just try there are ways to lose games we've talked about it here before mm-hmm. haven't we there are ways to come away from games like that and feel like you've you've had a go so I'm not for a second saying I would have done things like you know completely differently or anything like that but there are things I would have done different but there are I can I can justify Darren Moore's approach is the thing when you look at the squad he's had the players he's had available the fixture list he's had I think the thing is the the problem me and you have before we even think about going two-footed is we go well yeah all right yeah I can I can understand that there there wasn't really a sort of perfect solution there so we've ended up with something that might feel a bit clumsy or might not have worked but on paper I'm not too sure what else there was and uh, I just yeah. think I think there's games as you say where that's I mean I don't think either of us would have picked Tom Edwards for instance and we talked about it no the podcast no. before last I think or possibly the last podcast where there are things that I think because he was learning the squad on the job and in such a short space of time he did make some strange decisions that I think probably even he wouldn't make now um mm. if he was picking the teams again with the same injury list etc but again it's it's once again that my main point more than anything is even if you're not a big believer in Darren Moore I don't I still don't think that sacking him at now would achieve anything I don't think nah. getting on his back now particularly achieves anything and again that's not us telling people what to do I'm just just giving our own take on it um but I don't think getting on his back particularly achieves anything at the moment. I think you and I have been saying since he was appointed, he needs to get through to the January transfer window. I, I think this this game, I sort of see where he was, where I do slightly dif- disagree with Darren Moore from what he said on Saturday at the press conference was he was saying, I don't think there was a massive difference between this game and Hull. I think it was a good performance against Hull and a good performance against Southampton, but we concede a late goal against yeah. Hull and we score a late goal against Southampton and suddenly it's night and day. And I sort of, I get, if you went, I think if you went through the players in a player ratings kind of way and gave individual marks, you would probably say, yes, everyone stuck to their jobs against Hull. Um, and they did, same as against Watford. And 
you know, we gave plenty of seven out of tens in both of those games. Uh, a fair few eights in the Watford game, in fact. Um, but they were given briefs that were entirely defensive. Uh, and that was what rankled with a lot of fans, particularly having lost against Hull. Because if you do that, as we said last week, if you do that and then lose, then you've got nothing to hold on to. Um, yeah. Whereas here, they didn't do that. They 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 went for it. You know, it kind of, it did remind me actually, if we're drawing comparisons last season of the, the Norwich game last year, where it was mm. that second half performance that makes you go, oh, actually, maybe there is something here. You know, all, all hope has been lost. We've had a couple of games that are frustrating, but now actually they're starting to come out of their shell a little bit more. Because let's not forget, this is exactly what Neil Warnock did last year after they lost those games 4-0 and 4-0. He set up against Bristol City and West Brom just to try and get a, a nil-nil and try and just be like, okay, well, let's prove that we can actually get clean sheets. Um, and then it was only sort of that second half against Norwich where they came out and and really basically similarly battered Norwich despite having less of the ball uh, and playing on the counter yeah. and ended up get, coming from behind to get a one-all draw um, so that's the other aspect is you know you say it's we don't want to make it Warnock versus Moore and, and neither of us do we've, we've sort of intentionally shied away from that because I don't again I don't think it's helpful in any kind of analysis nah. but uh, if you are playing that game I think you need to look at how how Neil Warnock did approach it last season and I think he sort of did the same thing. Um, mm. and, and I think, again, I feel similarly from this game, albeit much earlier in the season, that I did against Norwich, which is even if you'd sort of lost all hope last season, uh, I think there was enough in that second half performance to think actually there might be something here. And I'm looking at that Southampton second half and thinking actually there might be something here now that they've got um, Josh Caroma back now that they've got Sober Thomas on form now they've got um, Ben Jackson on really really good form you know they're getting more attacking players back Jack Rodoni won't be out forever mm. yes they obviously need signings but you, st- I'm starting to think hmm, maybe the worst might be over I can't say it for sure mm. but there were some hints that maybe it might be I, th- I think the next the next game is key. Really, yeah. we'll see what we'll see what happens because I think again, like away to Sunderland is quite a big ask at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, I think, with Sunderland, they're an extremely capable side who have off days. So you've got to try yeah. and catch them on their off day. And they had one it, on Saturday. Yeah, let, let's see what happens. But I just, I think it's also worth bear in mind there are other town podcast out there i i am gonna shout him out actually i don't usually listen to andy takes that chance before doing ours because you don't want to repeat views or parrot views but uh richard cosmala on there this week is very very good from a fan point of view on both the booing and the sort of looking at darren moore as a whole Mm. um and i thought he gave a very balanced very rounded view on it um that kind of uh, yeah it it made me kind of assess some conversations I've had with fans and, and other people as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say listen to that and then immediately subscribe to We Are Terriers. .substack.com. Um, yeah, I think there are some, some more individuals that we probably need to talk about in a positive way. Ben Jackson, obviously, we've given a lot of love over the past couple of weeks. But again, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he deserved his goal entirely. Um, both ends of the pitch, he was really good. I know the goal came off his side, but I, I've, lo- I've watched the goal back several times. And I don't think... Apart from Mahal Helic letting Adam Armstrong get the run on him, I don't think anyone in a township particularly does anything wrong. I think it's just a good move and a brilliant pass from Will, Will Smallbone over the top to find Stuart Armstrong. Mm. Um, 
it's the kind of goal that a team like Southampton will score against you, no matter how solid you are, unfortunately. Helix should do better, but other than that. Um, but yeah, Jackson, I thought excellent again, and we'd be repeating ourselves, but it, it does need to be noted. Um, it's really coming together for him the last three games. Yeah, I, th- I think it, the sort of hard work has never been in doubt. He's just, he's kind of been a victim of being too adaptable mm-hmm. and too adept in too many positions really I think if I remember rightly even in his last press conference that's one thing Warnock said he's he's just the problem is he's too good in too many positions that you don't know where to pick him and he ends up not being a specialist in any of them I, I, the weird thing is we're still not 100% sure that's his position <laughs> longer term but he's really doing his best at making his own at the moment he works incredibly hard through the game incredibly hard the intelligence is coming yeah. you know he's he's dropping into the right areas defensively and then trying to get into the right areas on the front foot and I thought the thing about the goal is I know it's a cross that goes in no one's going to pretend it's anything else but it's like a cross into that I hate to use a, a cliche but you're trying to hit that corridor of uncertainty yeah and I think even if it doesn't go in, you sort of have to know it's a it's a great ball. You know, it's a ball yeah. right where if you're a striker, they're right. That's the area you really want it to be yeah. coming well, in. There's a reason that the keeper doesn't commit to it, and it's because yeah. he's worried that Matty Pearson's going to connect to it. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I thought it was a really good goal. I thought he clearly enjoyed it. Loved <laughs> yeah. his celebration. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I kind of feel my. <laughs> I had this conversation with you as well. I almost feel with Ben Jackson's form, the way it's going, and Ollie Turton with a return sort of potentially coming a little bit closer, I kind of almost feel that, not that right-back isn't a priority or anything like that, I'm sure they could do with another right-back at the club, but it kind of feels like it's gone down that yeah. transfer list a bit now. Yeah. You know, it could it could probably, it could arguably be, for me, like the four for four yeah, transfers agreed. they desperately need to do now whereas a couple of weeks ago it felt like <laughs> yeah, first yeah. or second yeah definitely we were saying oh Matty Pearson needs to go back there for a bit but mm. but yeah Jackson stole it I think the best bit of the goal for me is not even the cross although I will mention Matty Pearson he uh, he did that he did cause the keeper to second guess it's actually a lovely dummy run from him um, as a second centre forward <laughs> alongside mm. Delano Bergsug but the 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 run and pat the run by Diara, he's literally right dead center in the you know uh, facing goal, um, you know level with the goalkeeper kind of thing, um, central, and he just sort of points twice out to the corner flag, and Jackson mm. sees it and plays that ball basically into the corner down to the byline um, for Diara well early um, before anyone in a Southampton shirt has, has even seen it. It's a great run and a brilliant pass, and like you can laugh at Diara getting the assist for that, basically passing it back to someone to cross it. But I think he deserves it for that for that run and getting there, and 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 Jackson deserves the goal for making that pass. It's a you know it's it's the kind of thing that if a player I remember Gary Lineker once talking about how he used to make thirty runs a game, um, and mm. no one notices the ones that don't come off, and and players are sort of you end up on a almost a psychic level with players and if a player plays a pass to, to a striker who isn't there it's because he normally is and that's the kind of pass from Jackson where if Diara hasn't made that run you're the crowd are all groaning going who the f- who who are you passing it there to there Ben Jackson um you know why that you slipped pass- out yeah. that slipped out on our final ever pod yeah. didn't it 
who are you but who are you passing it to there ben jackson uh and he looks really stupid but yeah it's a lovely bit of movement and it's the kind of thing that to be honest you want your team doing multiple times a game it's silly that we're giving it a big shout out in you know but that's the kind of thing that's been missing from the attack the kind of thing that mm. i think comes from the training ground and to be honest these two players are fairly familiar with each other because they've been playing b-team football mm. together for, for years um in between loan spells so yeah, I think I think Diara was the one who, when I looked at the replays, did better than I gave him credit for on the day. I think his movement was really good, and mm. I would be looking at that Sunderland game and thinking he did a really good job against Sunderland last year. Do you put him in again um, on Wednesday night? Um, but um, Josh Caroma, a player who isn't your favourite a lot of the time, Dave. You were full of praise for him after Saturday. Yeah, I, he. It, it's not from a case of, it, don't get me wrong, it's not from a, a place where I think he's a, he's a bad player or anything. He just frustrates me so much because all the talent in the world, Steve, all the talent in the world, you know, it, when he's on form, he can be championship level unplayable. And you can ask, I don't know, like Sheffield United about that from last season. But he, is, he has struggled. He kind of, I always feel with him that kind of everything has to be right for him to play well. You know, like all the pieces have to be in line and I think on on Saturday I don't think that was like vintage Josh Caroma or you know he was playing anything like his best but his work rate was significantly up he he was covering every blade of grass he could and that is a really good sign for me with Josh Caroma that's a sign that he's sort of back to that really trying to get into different areas you know really trying to get into those pockets of space when he frustrates me it's when he pulls out to the wing because all he wants to do is basically pull out so that he can cut inside and try and get the ball onto his right foot and curl it he wasn't doing that you know he was trying to stretch them he was trying to run he's a very different type of forward to other forwards town have got which is why it's frustrating when he kind of doesn't play anything like his potential but I thought he was there were some really positive signs there. And I mean, ultimately, let's be honest, he he, we, he may well be needed through the middle now because mm. we don't know what the situation is with Danny Ward. And even we know what Danny Ward is like when he comes back. He cannot play 90 minutes three times in a fortnight. You know, no problem. He's going to have to have an hour and off, you know, an hour and off and then see if you can get 90 minutes, but judge it even then. So we've no Kian Harrop. You know, we know he's gone off with an injury. We know Hudlin's carrying a knock. So, yeah, it's kind of important that he gets somewhere near that that form again. And I just felt that he tried to push defenders into areas they aren't comfortable. And that's what I want to see from a striker who's not getting loads of time on the ball, not getting loads of chances. I just want to see them making life as uncomfortable for those defenders as possibly can. And that's just... I felt he just did that better than I've seen for quite a while. Yeah. The the other player I wanted to mention quickly was, and I sort of didn't expect this from him playing alongside Kasumu, but Jonathan Hogg, I can't remember the last time he was in attacking areas, either on or off the ball, quite as often as he was. I always like, we always like, I think you and I both do, Hoggy playing as the the first presser, the one who goes up mm-hmm. and joins the striker in the press. I think that's a, I think that suits him quite well. Uh, and he was doing that right from from the off in this game. But he was also on the ball. There were two or three times where. I wasn't sure who had been, you know, the, was the other man outside the box who was picking up the square balls. For instance, one of the Coroma ones where he went through, the player he ended up passing it to, square, just outside the box was Jonathan Hogg. And it was like, oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> that's not quite who I expected. It's, you know, he's, he's turning 35 in a couple of weeks and he's 
Mustaine sort of surprising things from him. Um, he's a uh, yeah. I, he, he even at this stage, I think he has ways of pleasantly surprising me. And again, don't think it was sort of a vintage performance or anything. But I think we always say he's sort of the the bellwether of Huddersfield Town and sort of the weather vane for how their form is going and and mm. where the players' mood is at. And I, I think apart from anything else this performance and coming from behind and putting in this show in and carrying out the plan, the game plan as they did, because something we've not even mentioned, by the way, all four of Darren Moore's subs were forced changes in this game. Mm. Uh, and we know that at least um, two of them would have been planned um, because of the players that had to go off, uh, as in uh, Karoma and who and Kasumi, who were never going to be able to complete 90 minutes. Um, but even with that taken into account, the players sort of saw out the game plan. So I think there is some suggestion there that the players haven't given up the fight they've not given up belief and you know they're sort of they're on board with this yeah definitely definitely i think the thing that we like about it, i mean this sounds like damn with faint praise it really isn't this is a proper logistical ta- tactical point but one of the reasons we like hogging in that press is because it then means he can't get done for pacing behind yeah you know if he's sitting because when he sits now he's at a point in his career where he is 35 years old he basically drops into the back line mm. he doesn't press in front of them anymore and it's just just a case of age so using him that way yeah i really like and i sort of came off i just i just felt in that second half you could see that a they came out and the effort was there but then by the end the belief was there and i can't remember the last time i i saw a huddersfield town even when they were winning it kind of with that belief mindset so I mean long may it continue who knows it could go hideously wrong at Sunderland and they could get beat for four or five I've no idea where it goes from here I I genuinely I've given up trying to second guess this side and this squad but it just felt like we got something on Saturday we we got something to talk about Steve I mean we've we've struggled the last couple of podcasts (laughs) because there hasn't been an awful lot to say and you know finally we had we saw something we saw something from the dugout we saw something on the pitch there was something in the result to talk about and yeah it just felt just felt better didn't it it did i think we've also seen and i think there was a bit of forward planning with this that it is 5-4-1 off the ball still but it is becoming more and more of well i say more and more there was a distinct difference between the whole game and this game where it did become properly a, a sort of a three four three stroke three four two one, um, and I think that is a natural evolution, obviously out of the five four one, because the three four three always ends up sort of being that off the ball anyway. Mm. Um, and I think again, I think judging from sort of some of the fan reaction, I think there is this perception that five four one is an inherently negative defensive tactic, but you, there is there are ways of of springing the attack from it. You know, Chelsea were extremely successful under Antonio Conte, as were Italy playing at what was essentially a five four one off the ball because you can very quickly turn it into that that three four three shape if you have the right wing backs and I think Headley by the way is really important to that if if he's playing uh, or potentially really important whether that's on the wing or at wing back I think Jackson is important to it um, but I think the thing that has enabled it now that they didn't have before is is getting Josh Cromer and or Delano Bergsorg back because um, mm. I just don't think they had the personnel to do it before um, and I again you just hope against Sunderland I mean I, I'd i be again tempted to 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 go even more so just sort of pick up where they left off in that second half and just take it to Sunderland mm. because that's what again what Neil Warnock did last year he'd been 
quite defensive and then suddenly went, Joe, you know what, we're going to take it to Sunderland and pen them in and press them really aggressively. Um, I think Town enjoy doing that. I think it's a style that suits this squad. Why not do it again on Wednesday? Because I don't think they've got mm. anything to lose from giving it a go. No. And it, I mean, if you lose 2 0, but you've had a go, I just think from the fans' point of view, it feels better as well. Yeah. I just, losing 1-0 at Hull, the reason that was taken so badly and it's still kind of resonating across the fan base is because not only have you lost, you've not even tried. That's how it feels anyway. I'm not for a minute suggesting players haven't tried. Yeah, but that's how it feels as a fan. So if you're going to go, you want to kind of go down scrapping and we know (laughs) that Huddersfield Town as a fan base they they want to see a fight you know they they that's the one thing they need to see on the pitch is a bit of themselves so yeah I'm with you just just I think just try and go for it and if if you get beat but you go down fighting fair enough it's just then what you don't want to happen is 20 minutes gone and it's Sunderland 2 Huddersfield Town nil. yeah because then you've got like a horrible decision about what you have to do next but yeah I just I just can't predict this side anymore Steve no honestly I have given up even trying you know games I think they've got a chance of getting something they completely fluff their lines (laughs) games we write them off they get a draw yeah (laughs) I've given up I've given up yeah I I think we, we again don't want to keep banging on about it and these are two I mean a long away trip like that and particularly on a tight turnaround from a Wednesday from a Wednesday away in Sunderland to a Saturday away in Swansea I think the the swing from one fixture to another uh, in terms of fatigue and and all the things we talked about in Carlos's second season it really doesn't get <laughs> much worse um so I'm sort of expecting to lose at least one of those games in truth um if not both but I think well you said a couple of weeks ago if they got one point against you know um, from mm. from nine, then that was good going, and they've already got that now. But then they're into two home games against Bristol City and Preston. That you know they really do need to get something out of. The, you know they the need Bristol, to win at least the Bristol one. Yeah, the Bristol one. They need to, like. I mean, don't get me wrong. Any game in the Championship is difficult, but they really have got to try and win that. That that has mm. to be sort of rigged in red, really, as try and go for that one. Preston are a weird side. Yeah. <laughs> Preston are a very weird side. They're very functional, is a word I use a lot when I'm talking about Preston, and they're sort of still that. So, but I, I think Town could get something from them. But yeah, we are still in the same position, aren't we? Which is like until we get into that transfer yeah. window and we see some additions to this squad, it really does feel game. like yeah, yeah, it really does feel like it's very difficult to do anything but sort of live from week to week and they need some wins again you know yeah we've been quite positive but we are well aware that it's one win in 10 games for for town and that is if it were any other season i think that would not be enough but as we've said before the three teams at the bottom have been so absolutely rancid uh and i know rotherham got a good result on friday but you know they've been a cut below the rest haven't they those three and yes. that that is definitely helping with our relative positivity compared with the fan base because I think you and I are sort of of a mind that actually they probably won't need loads in the January transfer window Uh, and we'll talk more about the January transfer window next month Um, so I'm I'm not going to delve into that now but I think as a spoiler you and I both think they probably only need sort of two or three and I don't think they even need particularly amazing signings I think they just need decent players to add a bit more depth you know a bit more competence in the final third um, and experience but there we go. Um, work. 
work that loan system yeah be my advice work that loan system and i think you and i sort of think you know as long as things don't go disastrously disastrously wrong throughout december um if they can get to january they'll probably get what they need and they'll probably be fine but we always have time to revise that opinion um and we'll see what the next few games bring and we will cover what those next few games bring uh after sunderland on weareterriers.substack.com yeah feels weird now doesn't it signing off yeah we'll see everyone on the other side yeah i thought it was delightful that we've done this podcast for years now and on the very final one by mistake you let out a champions league level swear word (laughs) completely by mistake but yeah well why not i i will censor it but i'm gonna leave it in i'm not even gonna cut it out because what are they gonna Mm. do uh, our media recommendation is a joint one, isn't it? Is it? Is it? We are terriers. Yeah, it, it's for we. Yeah, we are terriers. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. That's the name that we definitely yeah. remember and is definitely tripping off the tongue. <sighs> Lovely, right? Thank you again to everyone who's subscribed and shared already. Uh, and look out for. I will probably put a launch email in your inbox uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning. So sorry if you're getting the message twice, but I'm sure you can appreciate we need to promote this thing. Uh, So bye. See you there.